From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Some say soccer, I say foot bill. Bill Curtis. <laughs> and here is your host. At the Studebaker Theater of the Fine Arts Building in Chicago, Illinois, Peter Sagoff. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. We have a great show for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking to Dana Carvey, the Saturday Night Live legend who, as the church lady and other characters, gave us so many comic catchphrases, which, as it turns out, sound a lot more menacing when Bill Curtis says them. Isn't that special? <laughs> you want to hear about your contributions to the culture? So give us a call. The number is one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hi, Peter. This is Eric from Cadillac, Michigan. You're from Cadillac, Michigan. I've always wondered: does that have anything to do with the car, or is it just you know? Somebody. No, it's named after the explorer Cadillac who discovered uh, Detroit and explored the area up here. Okay, that's also very nice. What do you do there? Uh, I drive for UPS. You yeah. drive for UPS? Yes. So, okay, during the pandemic, sometimes the only human contact I had <laughs> outside my wife was the UPS guy, and I never even got to talk to them. I just saw them show up, and yet tears of gratitude would flow down my face. Was that your experience of people just being absolutely thrilled to see you? Uh, we got a lot of waves through windows and stuff. A lot of people kept their distance pretty well, but uh, yeah, I mean, people were generally happy to see us. Yeah, I mean, it, must be, it must be great because people have been taking you for granted for so long and then all of a sudden, you represented the entire world. I mean, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Eric. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, he's a staff writer for The Onion and a stand-up comedian whose album Saltwater is available to stream on Spotify now. It's Skylar Higley. Hi. Woo! Next, he's a comedian touring the Midwest in late December, including right here at Zany's in Chicago on the 28th. It's Josh Gondelman. Hello. Thank you. So nice Hi, to Josh. be here. And she will be in St. Paul, Minnesota at the Fitzgerald Theater on Saturday, December 10th. And you can hear her weekly on her podcast, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey. Come on, Paula. Hey. Well, Eric, you are here to play Who's Bill this time as we always start the show. Bill Curtis is going to read for you three quotations from the week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you will win our prize. Any voice from our show you might choose in your voicemail. You ready? Yes, I am. All right. Here is your first quote. It's from U.S. soccer star Christian Pulisic. I did not get hit in the balls. <laughs> Pulisic was talking about what everybody thought did happen as he led his team to a victory in what big tournament? Uh, that would be the World Cup. The World Cup, yes! It was incredibly thrilling. The match against Iran, Pulisic scored the winning goal to beat Iran 1-0. But in the process of scoring the goal, he suffered an injury, which we all saw, and half of us really winced at, <laughs> and what the team called a, quote, pelvic contusion, unquote. <laughs> which is a great euphemism for what really happened, but they only came up with that 
after trying out gonadal catastrophe <laughs> and testicular manslaughter. Apparently it's changed the name of the event to uh, uh, the world should have worn your cup. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do feel like... I do feel like I didn't get hit in the balls is exactly what someone who did get hit in the balls would say, right? Yeah. It's like, no, I'm not sleeping. I was resting my eyes. It's like, no, you're <laughs> sleeping. So I'm, I'm just getting the sense that I know a lot of like, like football fans here on stage with me. No, I love football. I love CTE. I think it's all great. <laughs> I was using football in the European sense. Oh, sure. then no. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eric, your next quote Eric is from the New York Times, and they were talking about the upcoming sequel to the highest grossing movie of all time. Who asked for this? So that question <laughs> is being asked by a lot of people about the new sequel to what movie? That sequel's coming out this month. Uh, Avatar? Yes, Avatar in preparation. Oh, yeah. When Avatar premiered back in 2009, it was a sensation and set up an all-time box office record. It was in 3D. The digital effects were amazing. But since then, nobody much has really thought about it except a small group of unbearable obsessives. So it was less of a blockbuster and more of a cryptocurrency. <laughs> more of a blockchain. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. Wow. Anyway, Avatar The Way of Water will continue the story of beloved characters like Jake Sully and Dr. Grace Augustine and... Uh, I don't know. I think the Blue Man Group was in it. I'm not sure. <laughs> Blue from Blue's Clues. Blue from Blue's Clues, yes. No, Jake Sully's the pilot that landed the plane on the Hudson. <laughs> exactly. You know, that, you know sure. that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was yet another movie, Avatar, where in the end everything is destroyed. Pretty much. And so, you know, one can't help but when I took my kids to it, we saw it. I didn't think it was good. I, I felt a little tricked. And everything was destroyed. And the only good thing about the movie was I felt like, okay, well, then they can't make another one of those. <laughs> yeah, everything's, everything's blown up. No, apparently, I mean, it's really interesting because you compare it to other, like, big blockbusters like Star Wars, which is, like, omnipresent in the culture. And where has Avatar been? And it turns out there are a lot of reasons why that is the case. Uh, one of them is that they didn't have a lot of merchandising for the movie, which kind of makes sense because... When you ask a kid what kind of stuffed animal they might like, they never say, well, something slender and tall, yet disconcertingly sexy. <laughs> I didn't think it, that the creatures were sexy. Oh, that movie was deeply sexual. Oh, yeah. The braids? So? Oh, my oh, God. Oh, the braids? And they don't tell you this about Avatar uh, The Way of Water, Avatar 2 The Way of Water, but as James Cameron uh, directed it, it is a direct prequel to Titanic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't find that sexy either. <laughs> I thought that when the woman was in front of Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio <laughs> and they were at the end of the boat there, and she had to turn her head to kiss him. Do you have any idea? I, I'll bet you she is making so much money from the lawsuit. The... <laughs> painful that would be to the neck of the woman to turn like that. That is probably the worst thing that happened on that boat. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was Chuck. It's why she didn't let him on the wooden floor. <laughs> I do remember that she's like, oh, I'd let you... <laughs> I'd let you on the door if I could see you, but I can't turn yeah, my I head. I can't turn my neck. Come around the front to kiss me. <laughs> yeah. All right, Eric, here is your last quote. 
And here is the soundtrack to my life. That was a writer on CNET talking about what has now become a kind of beloved annual ritual when people get a report of all the music they've listened to during the past year on what music service? Uh, Spotify. Yes, Spotify. Very good. It is. Uh, at the end of the year, when our fears about corporations mining our personal data are turned into a celebration of corporations mining our personal data. So uh, if you don't know about this, at the end of the year, Spotify analyzes all the songs and artists you listen to throughout the year. Uh, this is called Spotify Wrapped, and it tells you what you listen to the most. Then they package it in these fun shareable graphics so you can tell the world that, yes, you are a 54-year-old man who spent 11,900 of your precious remaining minutes of life on Earth listening to All Too Well by Taylor Swift. <laughs> There's a um, spin-off product, uh, <laughs> which is, um, there's a thing where there's a refrigerator that will annually tell you what you ate <laughs> that year. For example, I'll open my refrigerator door <laughs> on January 1st and it'll go, a lot of oatmeal. <laughs> I mean, you just raised an interesting point. There's a lot of things I don't want added up and presented to me at the end of the year. When, when you put it that way, it's everything about me. I want nothing about me shared in that yes. way. Yeah, yeah. My mirror has been silenced. <laughs> I feel like that's what happens when you, like, die and God, like, weighs what you did in your life. Uh -huh. It's basically Spotify wrapped. It's basically it. <laughs> Bill, how did Eric do in our quiz? Eric delivered a perfect score. Congratulations, Eric. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from this week's news. Skylar, this week we learned about a match made in heaven. Last month, a married couple independently each set a new world record in what shared endeavor? They, so they independently... Each of them set a world record in the same thing. Cheating. I'm just interested in how, A, what the world record would be. How do you establish it? I don't know. Talk, they, to, talk to my dad, you know what I'm <laughs> uh, They independently set this world record for a shared activity. Right. And they so didn't the, the know point is, is that couple. these two people are married to each other, and they're both like world-level experts, competitors at doing what? Could I get a hint, please? Well, we imagine that their marriage, uh, Joey Chestnut was probably the best man. Oh, <sighs> that didn't help me at all. <laughs> Who's Joey Chestnut? That doesn't sound real. At, I'll give you one more hint. <laughs> at, at their wedding, they polished off a five-tier wedding cake in 30 seconds. Oh, my hell. Oh, eating. Yes, they're both champion competitive eaters. So uh. last month, professional competitive eater Mickey Sudo set the world record for most hot dogs eaten in one minute. That's six hot dogs. And then right after that, her husband, Nicholas Wary, set the world record for hot dogs eaten in three minutes, which is 12. Then, because they're married, she said, well, you had three times the time, but only ate twice as much. And he said, what? And she said, oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they have a real cool, like, modern Mr. and Mrs. Smith thing going on. They really do. Boy, but I bet their refrigerator has stuff to say at the end of the year. <laughs> Coming up, we make the cover of our Bluff the Listener game called one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. So what drives popular music these days? One word, 
vibes. Cool summer hot vibe. Right. Playlist. Yeah. Coffee house morning vibe. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Driving away in a car with Bill Curtis. <laughs> Join us for a vibe session with Pitchfork's Pooja Patel. It's our next bonus episode for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Plus listeners. If that's not you, well, it could be. There is a link in our episode notes. Sign up to get bonus episodes, extended interviews, hear our regular show without sponsor messages, and more importantly, support NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from the Duckhorn Portfolio, Napa, California. Founded in 1976, the Duckhorn Portfolio's 10 luxury wineries include Pinot Noir Powerhouses, Calera and Goldeneye, and household favorites Duckhorn Vineyards and Decoy. This holiday season, elevate your celebrations with some of wine country's most coveted wines. Discover more at duckhorn.com NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Josh Gundelman, Paula Poundstone, and Skylar Higley. And here again is your host at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago, Illinois, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Right now... It's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff, the listener game. Call one wait wait to play our game on the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Mike Nelson calling from San Diego. Hey, how are things in beautiful San Diego? Sunny as always most of the time. Sunny as always most of the time. <laughs> they sound great. I assume uh, because you live in San Diego where it's beautiful all the time, do you get outside and do stuff? I try to, yeah. I love swimming in the ocean. That's my big thing here. Really? Are there, are there no sharks? Uh, you know, that's, that's a common question that people get asked. And actually, right now, it's actually the, the sea lions that are a little bit more of a problem because it's the pupping season. And there's lots of uh, sea lion puppies where we go swimming, and they love to play with us. And, of course, their parents are not too hip on that, and they let us know in very physical ways sometimes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe if you bring lollipops. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I will try that. You know, I'll try that next week. <laughs> well, Mike, it's great to have you. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Mike's topic? Hey, Sports Illustrated, cover this. Uh, getting on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine is uh, every athlete, swimsuit model, and public radio quiz show host's dream. <laughs> Our panelists are going to tell you about someone who got on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a very unusual way. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you will win the weight waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right, here we go. First, let's hear from Paula Poundstone. Getting one's mug on the cover of Sports Illustrated is the dream of many athletes. You can achieve it by being great at sports, or you can do it by being great at sneaking into sporting events. Dion Rich made the cover of Sports Illustrated when, on one of the 35 occasions he snuck into the Super Bowl, he also snuck onto the field and stood beside the coach while the players hoisted him up in victory. He joined in by lifting the coach's leg, all smooth and natural, like he lifts a football coach's leg every day. In addition to his Super Bowls, he snuck into multiple Oscar ceremonies, dozens of Golden Globes, and probably multiple tapings of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me at the Studebaker Theater. He was probably amazing in the lightning round. He might have come this close to lifting Peter Sagal's leg. 
Rich passed away a few weeks ago at 92, even though, as we all know, sneaking into sporting events is a mortal sin in the Bible, he was also able to get into heaven no problem, <laughs> at least until they notice him sitting there. <laughs> Dion Rich, who got himself on the cover of Sports Illustrated by crashing a Super Bowl, crashing onto the field, and happening to pick up the coach. Your next story of a cover story comes from Skylar Higley. Uh, as an iconic boxer, Muhammad Ali has graced the cover of Sports Illustrated no less than 39 times. Well, in July of 1965, one uncanny cover depicted one of Ali's illustrious knockouts against one David Atkins, who was not an official boxing opponent, but some guy who kept interrupting Ali's dinner to take photos and get autographs with the star. And upon being refused, began chiding the boxer that he probably couldn't even fight that well, and suggested that Ali's punches were not actually super strong, but only medium strong, <laughs> and that everybody knew boxing was fake. Um, as Ali had finally decided that he had enough, Atkins was moments later laid out on the floor as restaurant goers cheered and sighed in relief that Ali had shut up that one annoying guy. After the cover was published, Atkins described this as the greatest moment of his life. A man who got on the cover by being so annoying to Muhammad Ali that Muhammad Ali punched him out. Your last story of a rise to the top page comes from Josh Gondelman. When Sports Described Magazine added illustrations in 1916, <laughs> the concept of a swimsuit issue occurred to the editorial staff right away. Before the magazine incorporated photography, the idea would have struck readers as ludicrous. Who would purchase an entire magazine full of descriptions of women in bikinis? <laughs> However, depicting the female form in a state of even partial undress would have been grounds for a federal obscenity charge at the time. America back then was somehow too sexist to thoroughly objectify women. <laughs> so, the newly rebranded Sports Illustrated magazine set out to find a male swimsuit model, and they discovered him on Coney Island. Huge Herman Gelfman was hiding from police by posing as a circus strongman there. He'd fled after being charged with importing bagels from New Jersey and saying they were from New York, a felony at the time. <laughs> Huge Herman cut quite a figure on the magazine's cover with his muscles rippling under his woolen swimming trunks and sweater. Unfortunately, Gelfman was quickly recognized, apprehended, and remanded to a state prison. And the swimsuit issue was abandoned for several decades until the magazine could legally display a woman's kneecaps and belly button. <laughs> All right, one of these is the story of somebody who got on Sports Illustrated's cover in an unexpected way. Was it from Paula Poundstone, a man who specialized in crashing sporting events? From Skylar Higley, a guy who got on the cover because he annoyed Muhammad Ali so much, Ali punched him out, only to be photographed and immortalized? Or from Josh Gondelman, the very first Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue cover model, a guy from Coney Island. Which of these is the real story? of an unlikely Sports Illustrated cover figure. Well, I gotta be honest with you, I'm holding my, I, I have my brain trust with, with my child, Lily, and my wife, Marsha, and they're both go rooting for one, so I'm gonna go with number one. All right, you're gonna choose Paula's story of Dion Rich, the guy who crashed all those events. Well, to tell us the correct answer, we spoke to someone very familiar with the true story. Dion was in pictures on the cover of Sports Illustrated and other publications celebrating Super Bowl wins. That was Larry Mantle, host of KPCC's Air Talk. Hello, Larry, talking about Dion Rich. Congratulations, you have won our prize. Paula has won a point for telling the truth. 
and you get the voice of anyone you might choose. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> it's a privilege. Thank you all. It's an honor. Bye bye. Take care. And now the game where we talk to very influential people about things that make no difference. Dana Carvey, in his seven years on Saturday Night Live, created more iconic characters than anybody since the original cast. The church lady, Garth in Wayne's World, the grumpy old man. He's gone on to do movies and TV shows, and like all great talents eventually do, he has become a podcaster. Dana Carvey, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you. So... Thank you. My pleasure. When we have sort of normal actors in the show, I ask them for what role they're most uh, often recognized. With every president, Saturday Night Live has one performer who performs that president in their sketches. And you, quite famously, were President George H.W. Bush, George Bush the senior. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in fact, you, your imitation was so great, people started associating what you said with him, right? So everybody, right. for example, thought he always said that it wouldn't be prudent. And he never said that. Well, he might have said it once, but <laughs> I said, you know, I said it a thousand times. After Reagan, it was like, you know, I was just assigned George Bush Sr. Right. And again, John Lovitz was, he was assigned uh, Dukakis. Right. And we debated. And then when Bush Sr. won the election, John Lovitz called me to concede, uh, saying... <laughs> But initially, there was nothing there. It took me a year to find a hook on it. And eventually, it became a character that was so extreme. But he loved it. He loved it. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Because you were up there making savage fun of him uh, once a week for his entire term. And he actually loved it. He started doing appearances with you, right? Yeah, we did charity events. We hung out. He would call me. He called me on Election Day 2004 when W was up against John Kerry. Out of the blue, and I just hear a voice go, how you doing, Dane? (laughs) What did he want to talk to you about? I said, isn't your son running for re-election today? I mean, he goes, yeah, but how are you doing? (laughs) Do you, you, you're you're well known for for so many things, but mainly, well, not mainly, but significantly as an impressionist. I got a couple questions. First of all, do you have an impression of somebody that you're particularly proud of? That like no one else does, but you can like do this person. Hmm, I don't know. I mean, lately I've been doing Christoph Waltz because... A while back, people asked me, who's the funniest person out there right now? And I thought it was Christoph Waltz, who was in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. But he's like, may I have another glass of your delicious milk? You know, that's just irresistible. Um, but no, I don't. The ones that I did that were the weirdest, I, I actively wanted to do Michael Caine only because I saw someone else do it. And I just thought it was such a cool voice. And um, one day I kind of got it together and I called up J.J. Abrams. We're sort of friendly, you know, the director. And I left a voicemail for him, playing it very straight. Uh, J.J., this is Michael Caine. (laughs) I heard you're making one of those spaceship shows and I thought I'd put my hat at the ring. I know I'm a bit long in the tooth, but maybe this old geezer's got one more lap around the track. Can you believe it? Did, did you book? And 
And and did JJ go for it? Did he like? He went for it, hook, line, and sinker. Really? So you uh, had? No, I just. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't. But it was uh, that was a fun toy for me, you know. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you. Since you've run through a couple of them already, do you have a, like a method? When you, you know, like somebody says, okay, we want you to imitate whomever, George H.W. Bush, whoever it might be at the moment. Do no, you have like a method for doing I it? I never try to. I never, I, I don't really study them much. I, you know, I, when I, I interviewed uh, James Austin Johnson, who does this brilliant Trump. Uh, I, I, I should jump in. He's the, he's the guy who recently joined the cast of Saturday Night Live specifically yeah. to do Trump and Biden. He also does. He's, he's very, great. I know. Very he's, good. Re, he's great. He's brilliant. So when I sat with him and I was so enamored of his Trump and this guttural thing he did that I started doing it. Cause, but I told him, I just learned it. I learned it from him. And Trump talks like this. You can't get better than wait, wait. You know what? You got to wait. You got to wait because you know you're going to wait. And my, <laughs> my, whole, my whole hook with Trump, my only original hook was that he always sounds like he's pitching a family vacation. <laughs> We're going to be going places like you wouldn't believe, and a lot of people don't think we should go there, but they don't want us to do it, but we're going to do it anyway, and we're going to do a lot of things, and you're going to be happy like you wouldn't believe, and it goes on. And on. <laughs> right. I do want to ask you one more thing before we play the game, which is that we understand that way back when, when you were both doing stand-up in San Francisco, Paula Poundstone came and lived with you and your wife. Well, I think she just arrived from Boston, right, Paula? And then she not, lived Not with too us. long before. Yeah, not, yeah, not, not too, too, not long, too long before. And we did live together, and we had this great fantasy about having a, a pole that went from the living room down to the garage, and that we would all just look at each other and go, Tahoe! And then we would, <laughs> we would jump yeah. on the pole and slide into the cars. And then one, and just, oh. <laughs> yeah. and then one night we decided, okay, we really were going to drive to Tahoe. And it took so long. It was I a, know. Yeah, it turned out it wasn't much of a fantasy at all. It just took forever to drive to Tahoe. <laughs> right. We did stuff you do in your 20s. It was like we had uh, Old Yeller was one of our favorite movies or Paula's favorite movie. And we had an Old Yeller pancake breakfast. So we had special pancakes. And I guess we had VHS or whatever reason we watched Old Yeller about the dog dying and ate pancakes. It's just something you do. In one, one, and, dog, one dog died. And, and Dana, do you remember when we lived together back in the 80s as well? <laughs> when you lived yes. with Skylar? Yeah, back, back in my 20s in the 1980s. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we put on Planet, Planet of the Apes. No, it was uh, Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we had pizza. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Just movies and, movies and foods. Yeah. That's all we did. Well, Dana Carvey, it's a joy to talk to you and all the people you brought with you, but we have asked you here to play a game that this time we're calling... Dana Carvey, carve this up. Your name is Carvey, so we thought we'd ask you about another Carvey thing, steakhouses. Answer two to three questions correctly, you will win our prize for one of our listeners, the voicemail of their choice and their voicemail. Bill, who is Dana Carvey playing for? Emily Wilson of Brooklyn, New York. All right, you ready oh. to do this? I'll give it a try. This right. is now I'm actually nervous. All right. Danny, here's your first question. One of the more well-known steakhouse chains is Smith & Walensky, which opened its original location in New York City in 1977. Who were Smith & Walensky? Were they A, the two cows who provided the first week's menu, <laughs> B, two random names the founder pulled out of a phone book in order to sound classy, or C, the first two people who took advantage of the dine here and we will name the restaurant <laughs> after you promotion. Hmm. I guess I'll go with the second one. You're going to go with two random names. That's right. Wow. 
the founder of the restaurant chain, who also founded TGI Fridays. There you go. Uh, Said wow. that he just wanted it to sound classy. Do you do you feel better now that you got one right, or do you feel a lot of stress? Does that no, increase I'm, the stress? No, I decreased it immensely. I thought that was kind of a tricky one. I'd landed it. I'm really got. I have an endorphin rush going on okay. right now. I'm very I'm very proud of myself right now. <laughs> but I won't be. Give me another one. <laughs> All right. Here, Dana, is your next question. Gibson's Steakhouse right here in Chicago, quite well known, especially for its celebrity clientele to whom they provide excellent service. For example, once they fulfilled a special request for Celine Dion, who was dining there, what was it? A, to turn every TV on in the bar and play a VHS cassette of Titanic. <laughs> B, to serve her a steak with a side of hot dogs. Or C, to set her cocktail up on a different table, but then chain together a whole bunch of straws so she could sip it from her table. Boy. Um, I'm going to... Stay loose. Gonna, Stay loose. I'm going I'm I'm to go with the straws. You're going to go with the straws, because Celine Dion did not want to drink a drink next to her. She wanted it to be a more difficult task. I'm afraid it was actually the hot dogs. Well, now I'm, now I'm neutral. I'm, I'm All right. five. But this is exciting. Five. This is dramatic because now if you get this last one, you it's win. It's the third one. Oh, here we here go. Here we go. Outback Steakhouse was founded in Tampa, Florida in the 80s. And to help research the Australian concept of their restaurant, the creators of Outback Steakhouse did what? A, they watched Crocodile Dundee four times in slow motion <laughs> to pick up the subtleties. B, they lived off the land in the outback in Australia for two months, frying onions in oil they squeezed from wild canola plants. <laughs> or C, they did absolutely nothing. They had never been to Australia and expressed no interest in going. <laughs> I'm going to say C. And you'd be right. Bill, how did Dana Carvey do in our quiz? Two out of three. Dana, you won. There you go. Now you can be happy. Oh. Dana Carvey is a comedy legend who you can hear on his new scripted podcast, The Weird Place from Team Coco. Dana Carvey, thank you so much for joining us. Bye, oh, Dana. What a lovely person thank you are. You, Dana. Great. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill unleashes all hell on a lovable Disney classic in our listener limerick challenge game. Call one wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Paula Poundstone, Skylar Higley, and Josh Gondelman. And here again is your host at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago, Illinois, Peter Sagal. Thank you so much. In just a minute, Bill shares his Spotify wrapped list, and his top artist is Buster Rhymes, <laughs> followed by Leanne Rhymes, followed by Japanese Breakfast. Not sure why. In our listener limerick challenge game, if you'd like to play, give us a call at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Right now, panel some more questions for you from the week's news. Josh, here in Chicago, you can pay six dollars to have a whole shipping container to yourself in order to do what in? <sighs> Don't say the one you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> We're both talking about crying, right? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Um. 
Could I have a hint? Well, it might sound weird, but it works out. To exercise? Yes, to exercise. That's right. If you're somebody who gets creeped out or anxious by going to a gym and exercising in front of other people, you can go try the gym pod, which is uh, three shipping containers sitting in a lot here in Chicago. You pay your money, you go in, they close the door, and you get to exercise in privacy. Mm -hmm. It's a great way to get in shape and maybe see foreign ports. <laughs> if, if you're going to put me in a five by five container to exercise, I'm just going to go to jail. I'm going all the way. <laughs> I'd like one of those, but I could just send everybody else that's in the gym into it. And mm. I could just have the gym to myself. Yeah, that's yeah. way better. How much do those cost? <laughs> Paula, a woman in Florida is suing the makers of Velveeta mac and cheese because while it says in the box it takes three minutes and 30 seconds to prepare, she says it actually takes how long? Um, five minutes. Yeah, about that. Yeah. A little bit longer is her claim. The woman says the advertised three and a half minute time does not include the time spent opening the package, adding water, or stirring it. So she has decided to sue. Yeah, go for it, ladies. That's what I say. Yeah. Bring them down. At first I thought it was going to be because it's not really cheese, but no. 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 I think, I think if you buy something that says Velveeta on the box, you have forfeited all claim to be disappointed that it's not actually cheese. How busy is her life? I know. <laughs> that she's just in back-to-back -back brain surgery. Exactly. It's like, I don't have time to open the package, but, however, I want to file a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Oh, that does, I mean, it does sound, though, out of context, the name of the product sounds like the law firm she'd hire to do it. Like, I'm Jack Cheese at Velveeta Mac and Cheese. <laughs> Well, I, I, I would not trust a lawyer named Velveeta. You just know they would melt down under the slightest pressure. <laughs> Skylar, the state of New Jersey just got a citation from the Federal Highway Administration because it turns out they say New Jersey's highway safety signs were too what? Uh, too big. No. Too mean. No, far, <laughs> far from it. Although that's what you'd expect it being New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, they were too nice? Getting there. Too passive? <laughs> that they're like, if you... I'm, I'm just trying to... I'm, I'm sorry, that's not the right answer, but I'm just like, what would like two passive highway safety signs be like? It'd be like, the, you can drive that way. Yeah. <laughs> that's too passive aggressive. Yeah. It's like yeah. speed limit no. 55 or whatever. No problem if not. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. Hey, why did the chicken cross the New Jersey Turnpike? Oh, they were too funny? They were yes. too funny. New Jersey's road signs have been admonished by the federal government for being too funny, which is something I myself can only dream about. <laughs> what do you mean the signs, funny? The, well, the signs said things like, uh, slow down, this ain't Thunder Road, and nice car, did it come with a turn signal? Oh, how do I get a job writing for the yeah. signs? Who books that, yeah. Can you imagine that? If like, you're sitting around with other comedy writers, like, what do you do? He says, well, you know, I write for Seth Meyers. How about you? He says, well, I write for the New Jersey Department of Transportation. Well, then, then I would be like, oh, my, finally, I've written for something my in-laws have seen. <laughs> <laughs> the governor of New Jersey, a man named Phil Murphy, has gone on record, says he loves those signs, he's going to fight the federal government, he's not going to stand for that. That means for the first time in its long and colorful history, my home state of New Jersey has no actual problems. Wow. 
do you think there's any that don't um, that didn't age well? You know, because comedy <laughs> doesn't age well sometimes. It's just like, whoa, uh, nice driving. What are you, a lady or something? And you're just like, whoa, okay. Well, it was a different time. Well, you're, you're it was a different time when we put because, those up. Like, why is the FHA giving New Jersey a problem for being too funny? This is New Jersey. You need to be glad that the highway signs aren't just catcalling. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you in the convertible, take off your top. That's New Jersey. <laughs> you know, you often lash out at New Jersey. I do. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think that New Jersey has changed since your bitter feelings first took root. Well, the highway signs have gotten funnier. That's about it. <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank. But first, it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight wait wait, or click the contact us link on our website waitwait.npr.org, or you can see us here live at the beautiful Studebaker Theater. In downtown Chicago, yes, it is beautiful. With a brand new student ticket price, come on down, youths. And we will be in New York City next week at Carnegie Hall, believe it or not. And the Wait Wait stand-up tour is currently wrapping up its tour this year in Raleigh, Tampa, and Atlanta from December 15th through the 17th. For information and tickets to all of these amazing opportunities to have fun, go to nprpresents.com. Dot org. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Who's this? This is Kimberly. Hey, Kimberly, where are you calling from? I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I love Pittsburgh. What do you do there? I do paralegal work. That's when the lawsuit um, is filed in an emergency and you pull up in a truck and begin the legal work until oh. you can get to the law office. Is that correct? I thought that was when they threw the law papers out on a parachute. Right. <laughs> they, they drop well, in the lawsuit. That's different. Yeah. That's different. <laughs> Paralegal. Well, welcome to the show, Kimberly. <laughs> Bill Curtis is going to perform for you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a winner. Ready to play? I'm ready. Here is your first limerick. Michelangelo's statue's robust. With my light touch, I'm earning his trust. I am helping the arts when I clean David's parts. My job is to brush off the... Not not. (laughs) (laughs) That's not right. But it's not wrong. But it should be. Yeah. No, it's it's correct. Good for you. I believe the FCC rules (laughs) require us to have you say the right answer. So it's something you brush off. It rhymes with trust and bust. Well, she already said bust. There you go. She said dust. Yes, dust. Good, 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 good answer. This week we learned about a new dream job to aspire to: dusting Michelangelo's statue of David. Eleonora Pucci is the official David Duster, which requires an extensive knowledge of the history of the sculpture as well as where it is ticklish. I thought uh, the David statue waxed. (laughs) (laughs) Sure looks that way, doesn't it? All right, here is your next limerick. The Disney originals campy, and the deer hunter feels namby-pamby. You humans are warned this buck has sharp horns. It's a bloodthirsty remake of... I can't even watch that movie. Bambi. Bambi, Bambi, yes. 
Like many other cherished storybook characters, uh, Bambi just entered the public domain, which means anybody can use the character for anything they might like. Finally, you have legal access to use in any way you like the image of a deer. <laughs> so a team of producers, of course, is making a horror film version of Bambi, and they say to, quote, prepare for Bambi on rabies, unquote. How do you do that exactly? Do we all need to get shots? I don't know. So a killer Bambi is one thing, but I'm more excited for the other public domain remake, James Cameron's Bambi, The Way of Water. <laughs> I'm actually very excited. This is what I'm going to do. The Bambi's in the public domain now, right? And they're making a horror version. I'm waiting till the deer hunter gets into the public domain. I'm doing a family-friendly version. <laughs> they just play regular roulette. <laughs> Here is your last limerick. My bed never squeaks, goodness sakes. It's a slithering sound that it makes. There's a long, steady hiss that ensures restful bliss. Because I sleep in a bed filled with... Uh. Well, obviously snakes, but it doesn't make sense. It is, though, snakes. You're right. People looking for a new bed in the UK should head over to Facebook Marketplace, where somebody is selling a queen bed with a built-in snake enclosure. Finally, a bed you absolutely know has a monster underneath it. <laughs> the bed's only 200 bucks. It's an amazing price, especially for the snake, because for him, it comes with a free meal. <laughs> what's, the, what's the snake number on those beds? <laughs> the, the sleep number. Yeah, there it is. So there it is. Okay, yeah. guys. No, people on. say, oh, this is actually a great idea, because your body heat will provide warmth for the cold-blooded snake underneath. But it's got to be weird sleeping so close to a big snake, because, like, what happens when it wants to spoon, but it says you have to be the inside spoon? <laughs> I think this bed is perfect if you want to tell people that you're a drug kingpin and a water bed is just too subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Kimberly do in our quiz? Kimberly proved that Pittsburgh is strong. She got three right. Woo! Congratulations, Kimberly. Thank you. Really well done. Thank you so much for playing. Take care. Move your body like a snake. Like a snake. Like a snake. Move your body like a snake. Now it's time for our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Skylar has two, Josh and Paula each have three. All right, Skylar's in third place, so you're up first. The clock will start when I begin your first question, fill-in-the-blank. On Tuesday, the Senate passed a bill designed to protect same-sex blanks. Marriage. Right. On Sunday, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that the U.S. was still in a COVID-19 blank. Marriage. <laughs> Pandemic. This week, the Federal Reserve said that until inflation abates, they will continue to raise blank. Uh, inflation. No, uh, the, the Fed rate. The rate. Yeah, interest rate. <laughs> this week, an ex-Marine was named the L.A. Lakers fan of the game after she blanked on the Jumbotron. She... Uh, dance. No, she chugged a beer out of her own prosthetic leg. <laughs> <laughs> On Monday, the WHO announced that it was officially renaming Blanky Pox to M Pox. Monkey. Monkey Pox, yes. On Wednesday, Christine McVie, one of the founding members of Blank, passed away at the age of 79. Enron. No. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> this week, a Buddhist temple in Thailand was left empty after all the monks who lived there blanked. Uh, decided that it was really boring to do that. <laughs> no. they, weren't they all ar ar arrested for meth? Yes, they were all tested positive for meth. 
Police in Thailand raided oh. the temple earlier this week and conducted drug tests that every one of the monks failed. It's hard to know what tipped off the raid, but sources say it was probably the one monk who kept trying to play the drum solo from Hut for Teacher on the gong. <laughs> Bill, how did Skyler do? Three right, six more points, total of eight. Gives him the lead. All right. I'm going to arbitrarily pick Paula to go next. Paula, fill in the blank. On Wednesday, Democrats named Hakeem Jeffries to replace blank as their leader in the House. Nancy Pelosi? Yes. According to election data, the Senate runoff in blank has broken records for early voting. Georgia? Yes. After a four-year battle, the Treasury Department finally sent the House Ways and Means Committee blanks tax returns. Trump? Yes. On Tuesday, the U.S. pledged $53 million to help blank restore their power grid. Ukraine? Yes. On Monday, Merriam-Webster announced that gaslighting was the 2022 blank. Word of the year. Yes. During a fight in the stands of a Canadian hockey game this week, a man was knocked unconscious when he blanked. Um, shot a goal. No. He was knocked unconscious when, having gotten out of a fight with another fan uninjured, he slammed his own head into the safety glass. <laughs> These two fans started fighting in the stands, everybody hooting and hollering as they sort of grappled with each other in the way that amateurs do. And then the fans, somebody broke up the fight, and he sort of screamed for the crowd, and he flexed, and he went, woohoo! And he then slammed his head into the glass so hard, he immediately knocked himself out. <laughs> Bill, how did Paula do in our quiz? Four right, eight more points. Total oh. of 11 gives her the lead. All right. Oh how many of them... How many then does Josh Gondelman need to win? Four to tie, five to win, Josh. All right, Josh, this is for the game. Fill in the blank. Following mass protests, China said it will start to ease its strict blank policy. Zero COVID? Yes. This week, Congress passed a bill aimed at preventing blank workers from striking. Uh, railway workers. Yes. On Wednesday, President Biden announced a relocation fund for native tribes affected by blank. American colonization? No, too late for that. Climate change. On Tuesday, the leader of the far-right group, the Blanks, was convicted for his role in the attack on the, the Capitol. The Oath Keepers? Yes. Over the holiday, a man in Oklahoma was arrested for chasing his stepfather with a gun after an argument broke out while they were blanking. Uh, eating Thanksgiving dinner? Playing Monopoly. Mm. Happens to us all. Yeah. After its longest dormant period on record, the Mauna Loa volcano in blank began erupting on Monday. Hawaii? Yes, on Thursday, a study showed that a new blank drug could slow cognitive decline. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Alzheimer's. This week, a cat in Wisconsin shocked his owner after he dragged blank to the house as a gift. Uh, dragged a, um, another bigger cat. No, an alligator head. Most cats, most cats bring mice or birds to their family's doorway. This cat named Burnt Toast did them all better, showed up with a full alligator head. Pretty impressive, but you know, a couple houses down, there was another cat that brought home a whole alligator body. <laughs> Bill, did Josh that do well impressive. enough to win? Josh got four right for eight more points, total of 11. That means Josh and Paula are our co-champs. Yay! It feels incredible. It feels incredible. Yay. It's an honor Good and a privilege. You. Coming up, our panelists will predict what will be the name of the number one song on their Spotify wrapped playlist next year. 
But first, let me tell you that support for NPR comes from NPR stations and Athena Health, creating connected healthcare technology designed to improve patient outcomes and increase efficiency of healthcare practices and organizations. Learn more at athenahealth.com. DuckDuckGo, a company committed to making privacy online simple, DuckDuckGo's app includes a private search engine, web browser, and email protection with one download. More at DuckDuckGo.com. And Bed Bath & Beyond with kitchen products, too, featuring a curated selection of brands, including Shark, Ninja, and Casper. More at BedBathAndBeyond.com. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our tour manager is Shane Donald. Thanks to the staff and crew at the Studebaker Theater. B.J. Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Our production assistant is Sofia Hernandez Simeonidis. Special thanks to Vinnie Thomas and Monica Hickey this week. Our man of the match is Peter Gwynn. Our intern is Vaishnavi Naidu. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Thanks this week to Gary Yak. Our CFO is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Broadway Baby Danforth. Now, panel, what will be the number one song in your Spotify rap playlist next year? Skylar Higley. Sorry for All That Stuff I Said by Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Gondelman. It's going to be the same as the most heard song in my apartment every year. It's the one I sing to my dog called, What's Pug Got to Do With It? <laughs> and Paula Poundstone. Any pre-anti-vaxxer Van Morrison. <laughs> well, if any of that happens, panel, we're going to ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Paula Poundstone, Skylar Higley, and Josh Gondelman right there. Thanks to all of you for listening and our fabulous audience here at the Studebaker Theater. I'm Peter Sagal. We'll see you next week. This is NPR.